You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And, you know, there's the, the old adage of history repeats itself. Well, there's also that adage of, you know, we have to kind of reinvent and, and invent the new. And, and in some cases, it's about, you know, innovating something from scratch, creating something that's never been seen before. In other cases, it's about innovating in ways like taking the idea of, you know, hauling a car and getting a ride from point A to point B and turning it into a mobile app you know, with data and integration like Uber did in the taxi space. And I think one of the things that I find really interesting over this journey that we've been on, and you know, it's been a journey, you know, uh, nobody, I, don't, I, I think I can boldly say this, uh, I don't believe anybody has bought an NFT every single day uh, this year, right? Every single day in 2022. Uh, let alone starting uh, back on November 11th. I don't think anyone has done that um, you know, alone. And, and I will just say, you know, the more that I've been you know, reflecting back on the NFTs that we've bought you know, in our Mint 365 collection, there's something that really hits me. And I, you know, I was having a conversation uh, with someone today at actually at my daughter's soccer game. And if I sound like my voice is a little hoarse, uh, you know, I feel, I don't know if there's any other you know, dad, soccer dads that, you know, I, I feel like I get a workout just, you know, uh, you know, as a soccer dad, uh, I pretty much walk up and down the sideline. I'm screaming and yelling. I am that dad um, that you can picture in those videos where I'm you know cheering on the team, yelling at my daughter, uh, as well as kind of, you know, wishing that I was out there that I could go stop you know, the 12 year old that uh, is, you know, pushing on a kid or whatever it may be. And so my voice is a little hoarse on that, but I was actually talking to someone there you know, at the, at the soccer game. And what I thought was interesting was, you know, he didn't really know much of NFTs, a uh, big fantasy football player enjoyed uh, the cryptocurrency side of web three. And he started listening to the podcast. He started with episode one uh, about a month ago. And when he came up to me today, he said, man, fans, he goes, I'm really enjoying this whole concept of, of how you're approaching NFTs. He's like, but I'm also realizing that, you know, a lot of what you were saying, you know, in these early episodes, it still has to ring true today. And I, you know, and I asked him, I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, what are the things you mean? And he was like, well, you know, there were some core things that you were researching in your, uh, you know, to qualify what NFTs were good NFTs or what NFTs you wanted to invest in. Uh, And you were going through this kind of like list of criteria. And he's like, I'm guessing a lot of that hasn't changed. And I kind of laughed and I said, actually, I think it's all changed. You know, I think, I think there's so many things have changed um, since November and I'm going to, I'm going to spoil the plot and then I'll explain why, you know, at the end of the conversation I had with him, I had to have the realization that I was like, shit, things haven't really changed. Ultimately the things that, that were boldly the things that were the you know most strong aspects of what made an NFT project you know, valuable or, or at least, uh, you know, worth investing in early on, especially pre-mint phase, are really the th- same things that make me confident or excited about holding them uh, today, all these days later. And, and what I mean by that is, and let me set the stage there is, you know, I know a lot of people listen to the podcast and many of you don't buy 
an NFT in the mint phase, right? And let's just qualify that for anyone that's new. You know, the mint phase, meaning, you know, the original owner of the NFT on the blockchain. So the way that I qualify that for our project is that it must be pre-reveal, unless, of course, it's like a one-of-one art piece, uh, then we're buying it on the drop day of that collection. Now, you know, part of that criteria that I put there was that I wanted to put kind of a wrapper on what this whole process has been, right? I wanted to, I wanted to say, you know, I'm not just buying an NFT every day where I'm just buying a blue chip or I'm, you know, adding another crypto chip to my bag, although I would have, I would happily do that. Um, for me, I really wanted to be like, okay, I'm going to buy one, I'm going to research one in the mint phase pre-reveal every single day for an entire year. And it's been exhausting. It's been frustrating. It's been full of ups and downs where, you know, I have some that I thought were home runs that turned into, you know, uh, a, it turned into a double play uh, or it turned into a an infield fly where it's just, you know, everyone's just kind of confused and lost. And that's what, you know, a little baseball reference for you there. But um, one of the things that I, that I noticed as I was having this discussion uh, with one of the other dads at the soccer game was that, you know, there's a difference between researching an NFT when it's already revealed and the community starting to be established versus researching an NFT from the unknown perspective. And I, I've shared this on the podcast in, in grave detail, you know, all the things that I go through, right? All the, the checklists, all the things that I, that I work through to try to decide an NFT. And a lot of it comes down to trust, right? Can I, can I trust the founder of the project? Can I trust the promises, AKA the utility that have been outlined? Can I trust, well, let's face it, I can't trust 99.9% .9 of the roadmaps, but can I trust that the, the idea of you know, how they would actually roll out something uh, against the roadmap might be actually something uh, of value. It might be something that would be something they put out there and, and actually be deliverable, right? And I, I qualify this a lot by saying, when I look at utility on projects today, I look at two different things. I, I look at actual utility and I look at projected utility. And actual utility, in my view, is when I know based on the founder's background, based on the amount of money that they are minting an NFT for, that they could actually pull off what the utility is that they're, that they're actually you know, providing or promoting. The projected utility is, is kind of like the wishful thinking um, components. And I, and I think both of those are needed in projects, let's be very clear. But when I, when I think back now, and, you know, and one of the cool things, uh, and, I, and I, ch I challenged everybody on, on an episode recently, you know, I was if pretty much you can look back across the, the 300, uh, you know, and you know, right now it's 320, you know, 39 NFTs that we've bought. And one of the craziest things that I can tell you is that I can, I can almost guarantee that every single one of them, I can tell you why I bought it, how I found the project, some of the things about the project that excited me. Now, I might not be able to tell you what they've done since I bought it, because let's face it, a lot of these NFTs I buy, I've been buying them. I, I put them in a bag. We, we haven't sold a single one of them, right? So of the 339 that will be eventually 365, none of them have been for sale, right? We've held on to every single one of them um, since we bought them with the idea that we're going to auction them off as a, a mosaic collection uh, on November 11th, which will really be the first ever time capsule of NFTs, you know, that exists, or at least that I, that I'm aware of. And, with that being said, you know, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I can, you can pretty much tell me the name of a project or even probably just show me the art 
And I'll probably be able to tell you all of those things. And, and here's the truth on that is that the difference between the two that I feel is that I don't really have anyone to rely on when I'm researching an NFT in the pre-mint phase, right? So I have to trust, I have to trust the, the founder's reputation, whoever is on the team's reputation. I have to trust some of their messaging and communication. I have to trust that like initial, let's just say that initial Discord Twitter feel, which let's face it, a lot of these projects have been really good at, um, you know, selling unicorns, rainbows and bullshit. And then ultimately, you know, not being able to execute on anything that they were promoting pre-mint. But, you know, the, the bigger picture of this that I wanted to kind of tap into for this episode was that, you know, when I look at the NFTs that are, you know, projects that I'm proud to have in our collection bag and, and proud to have, you know, you know, not only proud that we've minted them, but proud because I believe they are going to be around for the long the long term. I will tell you, one of them, one of the key components is that what the utility is for a project is actually either solving a problem, providing a solution, or is providing something that their target audience wants. And I just want to be very clear on this. This is one of those things that, you know, there are a lot of projects that I believe dropped, you know, amazing NFTs with great utility, but there's not the people in Web3 aren't here to actually buy that NFT. There are also other projects that have, you know, great ambitions, great ideas. But the thing about it is the solution that they're, they're, they're looking to, you know, provide, people don't even see that as a problem in their day-to-day -day lives yet today. Or, or maybe it's too early in their journey or even... Probably one of the biggest problems that I feel like in this space is that if you are if your utility is solving a massive web two problem, the question you have to ask yourself is that does the current web three audience, the current web three DGENs, those of us that are here every day, do we give a shit about that web two utility? And unfortunately, for some projects, the, the answer is going to be no. And then the question comes down to what is their commitment? to using web three to solve that problem. And this is a, this is a hard nose problem because you know, one of the NFTs that I did not buy back in April, um, it was put out by a marketer friend of mine who happens to be a speaker. Uh, he had been working on the project for a good while. And what one of my holdups for not buying his NFT and not putting it in our collection. And, and I like the person a lot. I actually trust the person a lot. I think they are, an amazing marketer, a great, amazing speaker. Uh, I believe they are a stand-up human being. But my problem was that I didn't believe they understood the Web3 audience enough and that I believed what they were trying, the problem they were trying to solve with their NFT project was not going to be really matter in this space. But I also knew that they were pot committed as far as if it didn't work in Web3, they would gladly go back to web two and try to solve that solution because they, their, their commitment was more so to solving the problem less so by doing it in this kind of web three, um, you know, kind of approach. And to me, that's one of the most interesting parts about this journey. And, you know, another one of them comes down to, you know, I've said this before, I've said this on stages when I'm talking about NFTs, you know, the projects that, that know how to communicate, and the projects that fail early or have to adapt to some kind of, you know, failure or some kind of uh, disaster or some kind of massive change, those are the projects that I like the most.
because here's the thing about this whole this whole game that we're playing, right? It, I worked in cybersecurity for a decade, and everything that we knew was we didn't say, you know, if we get hacked, this will happen. What we said was when this when we get hacked, this will happen, right? When the, it was not an if, it was a when. And the truth is, with every single NFT project that is out there, every single project is going to have to have crisis management. Every single project is going to have to have community turnover and change in leadership and change in management, Discord mod turnover. And the problem is a majority of people in this space, and and I don't like being ageist, but I'm going to say it, a lot of people that are super young with not much experience outside of university are really going to struggle with that need to communicate and how to handle crisis management or a crisis. And I'm not saying it's just those that are young. Trust me, there are plenty of people that are massively experienced in Web2 that also don't understand, um, you know, how to handle you know, crisis management or, you know, deal with some of the, the crisis things that, that happen. But the truth is, when I look at the projects, like the, the need for a project to have a face and a voice is something that I believe will be more important moving forward than many of the other things that we, we value on NFT projects. And the funny thing is, if you go back and listen to one of the first, I think it's the, I think it might be episode 13 or episode 14 of the, of the podcast. I actually said like one of the things that I was boldly kind of putting out there was that I really find that if a project is struggling to find their, their, their voice. And what I mean by their voice, I don't mean to tell their story. I don't mean to market. I'm not you know trying to go woo woo. What I mean is there needs to be a person or a group of people that are associated with kind of the front line of, of a project. And I want everybody to think about this. Everybody that's you know listening on Twitter spaces, everybody that's listening here on the podcast, you know what it's a lot easier? When is it a lot easier to FUD a project? When you have no connection with the founder. When is it a lot easier to FUD or to sell a project or to flip a project when you have no real connection to any of the other community members or there's no other real faces involved. There's not like a person there. It's why when we call up, you know, a help desk, if that person was doing that help desk troubleshooting on a zoom call, I can guarantee we would be a lot different how we treated, you know, complaining about our bill or, you know, cussing someone out or, you know, even, you know, calling the, the airline to complain about what's going on, right? If there is a face and a name and a human that we can connect with, in many cases, that shifts our entire energy. It shifts how we think of things. And, you know, it's, it's like one of those things, like when someone switches from Apple to Samsung, that's the exception to the rule, right? It's not like I'm, I, like Tim Cook's not going to give a crap if I switch to, to, to Android. Now, that's not going to happen. But I will tell you, when you take a step down, you know, what do, what do great restaurants, you know, let's, you know, I, I grew up, my dad always would, we would go to the hole in the wall restaurant, right? We would buy, we'd drive by three Olive Gardens to get to something called Tony's Italian Restaurante. And we would go in and the floor would be sticky. The chairs would be kind of like these, like they would make all this noise when they come up. The menu looked like it was printed in 1981, and my dad would walk in there. He's like, oh, hell yeah, this is this is what we're talking about. Like, this is where we want to eat. And I remember being like, why did we not go to Olive Garden? Like, have you not had their breadsticks? Like, do you not know what their unlimited salad tastes like? But my dad always had this core belief in the idea that, you know, he trusted people 
that were that were building something or working in a restaurant or building their own restaurant to care more about the ingredients, to care more about the customer service, if they had skin in the game, if their name was on the front of the restaurant. And I, and I can tell you, my family, we owned a frozen yogurt shop uh, for much of my life, and it was called Fanzo's It's Yogurt. And I tell you what, whenever someone walked in there and, you know, my name being Fanzo, um, uh, the, the care that I took for customer service for quality control was there. And I know that people, you know, you know would drive by a Dairy Queen to get to my, my family's frozen yogurt shop. And the question now becomes, what are the NFT projects that people are willing to remove from or eject from because they think of them no different than just a faceless, nameless uh, you know, project? Or in some cases, there's just an arrogant piece of crap that is the voice of the project, right? Like, and that's, that's unfortunately um, you know, some of the NFT projects that are out there, right? There are, just, there are some that are led by those that feel like, you know, I, I, if I could sit them down, I would, I, would, I would really help some of these founders you know, think about the difference between transparency and oversharing, or it's not even really oversharing. There's a difference between transparency and just, you know, saying every single thing that comes to your mind. Right. And, and I'm, I'm a huge believer that I would much rather have project founders over communicating than under communicating. But that doesn't mean I need to hear every single useless thought that is, you know, that is coming through some of the, the founders. And, you know, I've had to mute some founders of projects, you know, here on Twitter, just because I, you know, diarrhea of the mouth is not what I think, you know, moves the needle forward. I think the, the reason I, I'm kind of tying this back to some of the past episodes and some of the, the, the journey that we've been on here is that when I look through these projects, right, our ability to communicate, our ability to tie, what is the, what is the problem or solution that we are providing with this NFT project, right? The NFT project must be more than just the fact that it's just, you know, it's an art piece tied to a token that unlocks a, a discord, right? Like the, and, and I'm saying that as in a general for the projects that are going for community and utility. Now there are some amazing um, art NFTs that I don't want anything more than the art. I'm actually rocking run right now. This is the, the, the Sabit project um, and Sabit, you know, who has been on the podcast, um, you know, he, he's uh, raising money right now for, um, some funds to support uh, the women in, in Iran. And I um, am probably representing that NFT project right now as my PFP. And I don't need utility. I don't need, you know, him to put that out there. I don't need a discord. I don't even know. I don't even know if he has a discord. I own a bunch of his pieces and I don't even know if he has a discord, which is kind of funny in that realm. But I, I tie that to, I, I tie that back in this realm to say this, like there are some great projects that art is the front door community is what is ultimately you know bringing it all together and, and like allowing us to find like our people but then we also have to recognize that that's also the exception to most rules and the other part of this is that how many communities can people can be actively involved in today i'll tell you that's a struggle of mine i bet you it's a struggle of most of you that are listening and like i know we have a different listening base here but i see some friends in the audience i know I had dinner with uh, Jordash, who's in the uh, in the live audience right now. And Jordash and I uh, and Delphi Cat were at dinner in San Diego, and uh, we were just kind of discussing all. Pretty much, we were solving all of the NFT world problems um, in one dinner. Uh, you know, I pretty much did that pretty easily. Um, but um, you know, one of the things that we we kind of were recognizing across the board was, you know, we we share a lot of the same projects, 
yet neither none of us knew what the hell was going on in a couple of projects because we just we just don't have the bandwidth to be active in all of those places. And so this this comes down to the other part of this that I've been it's a soapbox of mine. And I really wish projects would take this to the next level. And when I one of the, the next level that I think we need to take this to is we need we really need to find what is the optimal way that we can communicate in 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 a fashion with our NFT holders that 99% of those that are holding our NFT are aware of what we have going on and what is upcoming. Like I really do feel one of these biggest roadblocks is that are a lot of projects that are great that a lot of their founders probably are holding on to it unsure what it's about and you know I, I I know this for a fact because one of my friends in San Diego came up and he said Brian man I know that you love and I, he, I'll just say insert project name because he said he's like Brian I know you have a big bag in this project but you know what I just couldn't be active in their discord I had no idea what they had going on so I just sold all of mine last week I just listed it a little bit above the floor and I sold all of mine and I froze because I was like dude you got to be kidding me like this utility for that project right now is being delivered and you are going to be, you were like the per you were like literally the target person for it. And he was like, well, I, 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 discord was overwhelming. I signed up for the email newsletter, but all I got was these emails about all these other things they wanted me to buy and all these other giveaways. And all of a sudden I was buying like a metaverse and I was buying merchandise and all of a sudden he's like, I thought I bought into the project already and they wanted another thousand bucks from me. And, you know, I think this is one of those things that, you know, when I look at these projects that are in our bag and I look back over the past, the projects that are rolling out like a phase two or a second mint are that have actually solved problems and provided utility are ones that I think are they, that get it. But there's a lot of projects that are just kind of building on additional ways to monetize their existing community. And, and I will say, I believe that is drying up very soon. I think we as a community are are getting to a point where we are not tolerating that much as much as we had in the past. Um, I, for one, you know, when I smell that coming where I'm like, oh gosh, here it comes. They're going to want me to buy, you know, three more components and nine more, you know, insert whatever the heck that is before, you know, this has any other piece. The last thing I want to say is that we, we also bury the lead when it comes to value exchange. Now for some NFT projects, the amount of money we can sell it for at the end is how we will determine success. But for many of these NFT projects, and I would argue most, the, the determination of success should not be connected to the floor price or the amount we can sell it at the end. Think about that from a standpoint of like a house that you buy, right? I know a lot of people think of, of houses as investments, there's also about 80% of the world that doesn't think of a house as an investment. They think of it as a home that contains memories, that has moments, and has experiences. And I would argue there are a lot of people that bought a house 20 years ago, raised a family in that, whole, in that house, sold the house for the exact amount or less than they bought it for, and said it was one of the greatest purchases they've ever made in their entire lives. And when they think about that, that, that purchase, it brings back a feeling and, and emotions that they couldn't get anywhere else. And I, and I really do think, and this goes into like my, you know, one of my favorite sayings in the speaking world, right? Like I can tie, I can tie speaking and poker to a lot of what the NFT space is, right? Because here's the truth. I don't ever speak for free anymore as a speaker. 
But in many cases, I'll speak for no fee. Let me say that again. I don't ever speak for free anymore. But in many cases, I'll speak for no fee. And what I mean by that is, is that when I determine value of uh, an engagement, value of me speaking, let's face it, you know, exposure doesn't pay the bills. I haven't found a mortgage company that takes exposure uh, for payment. But in many cases, depending on what my goals are, what is my definition of success, what am I currently working on? Me getting on that stage, getting video, having FaceTime with another speaker. You know, I mean, one of the one of the events that has been the most valuable for me ever was an event I spoke free at one time. And what happened was I was able to network with a couple speakers. There were two people in the audience, and those two people have hired me full fee for 10 total speaking gigs. I will tell you that's six figures that I generated based off not collecting a, a, a fee off of that stage. But the truth about it is, I also didn't speak for free. I got up there because I researched the audience. I knew who was going to be in the audience. And I said, if I deliver the way that I should deliver, guess what? That audience is going to hire me. And so I'm gonna challenge all of us in this NFT space that there are going to be plenty of examples where the floor price should not determine what if a project is valuable. There are going to be many examples that what we can sell an NFT for at the end should not be what is what we're looking for. I mean, there are plenty of NFTs right now in my bag that I don't ever care. I, I don't care if they go to zero and stay at zero for forever. I've already maximized the value that I got out there. I've got 5x ROI on what I what I purchased that NFT for, right? And you know, and part of that can come to art, right? Like what is the true value of art that no one sees other than yourself in your own house, right? The people that, vi that, that visit you, right? The, the idea that if that, if that painting or that picture on the wall that you have there gives you what you want out of it, who cares if you end up having to just trash it because you downsize or you move, or let's face it, you, you know, you go from, you know, being single to being married or, or married to divorce or whatever that may be. And so the, where, where I want to kind of wrap this episode on is that, you know, a lot of what we can look at in the past, let's not look at floor prices. Let's, you know, and, and remember, not looking at floor prices does not mean I don't look at, at money because let's be, I, I'm a dot com. I am not a dot org. I have bills to pay. I am, I am not shy about saying that I, I am here to make money in the, in the Web3 space. But when it comes to determining value and looking back at projects, there are a ton of projects right now that you could get in with a, with a very low floor price that have a clear solution that they are providing with their utility. They have a very open communicative founding team. They have a core members of the community that you can interview, you can interact with. And I think the, the truth of this whole thing comes back to is that the really the only person that we should blame in almost 99% of the NFT projects that we're getting into, if you're doing your own damn research is ourself. Right, we have to take responsibility that we didn't we didn't understand that utility was not uh, manageable by the amount of money they raised. We didn't understand that the people that would care about that utility are a bunch of douchebags that we would never want to hang out with in the first place. And I'm I'm saying that with my hand up right now because there's a couple of projects that I got into. I'm like, oh, this is the project. I love what the founding team represents. I love the utility. And then after a month in there, I'm like, wait a second, I don't like any of the other people in here. And it's because I didn't think about that, right? I didn't think about who was in the audience. I didn't think about what was those, what were those other value components that kind of that can kind of factor in. And the last thing I'll, I'll say, you know, 
you know, when I look back across the different blockchains, I'm going to be a little bit stereotypical right now and, and you can hate me for it or not, but, you know, I've minted on, you know, all of these different blockchains and uh, marketplaces more than, you know, you can, you could imagine. Right. And, you know, the, for me, one of the things that I found is that yes, there is more attention on Ethereum, but with more attention on Ethereum based NFTs, there's often more attention and, and let's face it, there's often more need or want or pressure on the founders of those projects to continue to show up and deliver. Now, I started looking into a couple of these Solana projects that I minted, and I also went back into a couple of the Flow blockchain NFTs that I minted. And what I noticed was like they're not communicating as, as often or um, as detailed as some of the other projects that I love. But what they are communicating, I do believe, is they're building and they have some amazing utility and value there. And so what I would hope that we can, you know, for me that, you know, this project, buying an NFT every day for a year, my, my team knows this. Uh, we, had, we had a founders call um, last week and I said this very clearly. One of the things that keeps me up at night right now, right now, you know, other than the fact that, that you know, this podcast is keeping me up at night because we're recording it late at night. <laughs> but one of the things that keeps me up late at night right now is the fact that I don't want all of this research, all of this time all of this dedication that we've put to this project to be wasted. And what I mean by wasted is that I, I, I truly want the, the lessons that we can look at from, you know, all of these NFTs that we bought and, and the journey and the collection and, and, and each, each of the different, you know, I, I'm very proud. Like if you, if you look in our bag, right, you can, we'll put the link to the spatial here um, in our, in our show notes of the podcast. I'll put it up in the, in the Twitter space as well. But I, I will just tell you that like one of the things that you know like that you can look at across our collection at and 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 be pretty damn amazed by, and I I can tell you I'm pretty damn proud about is that we have a massive variety of utility, from fashion to metaverse to art to community to mental health to high performance fitness to uh, lifestyle to yoga to I mean pretty much I, I mean. I would challenge, you know, fashion, we have just, I mean, we've really run the gamut and, and part of that was, you know, that was very strategic, right? I was, I was very, you know, when I would see a project that would come up with a utility that was unique, that, that I, I rated that higher than if it was just another project giving me the same utility that I could get somewhere else, because I wanted this collection as a whole to be of that value. And so if you're listening to this podcast right now, and maybe you don't have a lot of NFTs in your in your bag or you haven't gone that far down the journey what i'm going to challenge you to do is check click on that link and go look at some of the nfts that we bought back in november back in december back in january and do your research on it as if asking yourself would i buy would i buy into this now because here's the promise i can make you i can't make you a promise that every nft that we've bought in our collection has been gold or is going to moon but i can promise you that i researched my ass off to determine that that project at that time had the possibility of delivering on what they promised and being of value come November 11th of this year. And so as we get closer to November 11th, there's a lot of projects in there that I will tell you have a very low floor price that will probably shock you on all of the things they've delivered and, and all of the value that they're providing. The last part of that, when I, when I tell you to go back and look at some of your NFTs and look at your bag, the other thing I want you to think about are what NFTs in your bag right now are doing nothing for you, providing you zero value. And, and, and in many cases, are you probably are still in the Discord 
because you have that guilt of like, you don't want to leave the discord because you own the NFT and you feel like if you leave the discord, then are you, are you limiting the value? But you also know you haven't checked that discord in months. And I say that all of that, because that's me. There's plenty of NFT discords that I'm in that I just like, I'm gun shy at removing myself from the discord because it like, it's like the last string of what they're actually providing. But what I'm, what I, the reason I say that we should look at some of those projects is that there are also a lot of projects that we can, we can stop prioritizing as what we care about and move our attention to projects that have a lower floor price or maybe less active members. And I can almost guarantee you, you would get more value out of them right now than you would a majority of the other projects. It's amazing if you go ask a bunch of the board ape holders what their favorite things are that they get out of projects, many of them are going to talk about all of the other projects that they've been able to buy because of the board ape that they hold. I, it'd be, it's amazing how many other projects will tell you, well, the reason I love this project is it connected me with this founder who was in the same project, and they're now the founder of this NFT project. Like that's kind of this beautiful journey that we're all on. And, and, I, and I think it's something that we can all reflect on and own and, and hopefully um, together we can you know, maximize the value that we've had here. So you know, this is episode 339, as we said uh, at the start of the show, I am recording every one of these episodes all the way to the end of season one on Twitter spaces live. Uh, and, you know, and part of that is that, you know, we want to also you know, welcome this into a new audience. I know a lot of people, I mean, most people don't have, you know, a, a commitment to a daily show. I mean, this, this daily, I mean, it's a lot of me. I mean, I don't blame a lot of you for tuning in every once in a while because I can only handle so much of my own self. That's why I don't, you know, I don't fully want to edit my own videos or my own content because I, I can annoy my own self. <laughs> but I also know that there's people in our community, in our world that haven't had the opportunity to be exposed to some of the things that we're working on, some of the things that we're doing, because I don't believe there's anyone else in this entire space that has created what we've created with buying an NFT every single day and dropping a podcast every single day, every single day. No, I got COVID twice. We went through the holidays. We had a bear market. We had a bull market. We dropped NFTs. We, we, we dropped merchandise. We dropped POPs. And, and the beauty of that is I'm not saying that as a flex or as a brag. What I'm saying is that there is something beautiful about creating history while also doing it and being on the journey while we're still making it. And I just want to thank everybody here for tuning in. Thank you for, for being a part of this family. If you have uh, loved the podcast and you haven't had a chance to review the podcast on Apple, it would, we would greatly appreciate some reviews on the Apple podcast. That does get the podcast in front of more um, of our you know, of potential listeners. And I also know many of you, hundreds of you have already reviewed the podcast. And if you had, you know, I appreciate you sharing out your favorite episodes over on social just so that we can you know, get more episodes out there. And you know, lastly, I'll also give a shout out. You know, we have some really cool giveaways um, in our, you know, these last 30 days. We're gonna be giving away NFTs. We're gonna be giving away um, some merchandise. We're gonna be giving away some ADHD coin. Um, and we also are, you know, we teamed up with Zealous and Zealous is actually going to be giving away 30 of their creator passes uh, on November 11th. To, and to be eligible, all you have to do is retweet uh, one of the tweets that we'll have in the, in the show notes for this episode. So I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in. I also want to apologize. I kicked off this pre-show and told everybody that my goal was to do 10 minutes. Uh, and well, just like every other episode, it's about 35, 40 minutes long because uh, I get hyped. I love this space. I love what we're building together. If you're here, you're here for a reason and you're in the right place. If you're unsure where your role is or you're, you're still trying to figure out what your experience brings to this space, 
I can guarantee you one thing. We need you. There are so many roles, so many skill sets, so many people's backgrounds that Web3 doesn't have enough of right now. And that can go across every genre, every race, every religion, every sexual orientation. And, and I really hope that we can you know, continue to come on this journey, inspire each other, hold each other's hands and you know, together build something pretty damn great. So as always, until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great one. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365.